You thought you'd gotten rid of us, didn't you? But you were wrong, old Bean. Because we're back with a vengeance. Good sight for Queen, our son. From studios in Hollywood, California, rural southern Indiana, and the hinterlands of North Dakota, this is the Live, Laugh, Golf Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Desert Duffer, OTB Lefty, and Jay Score. Folks, welcome back to the Live, Laugh, Golf Podcast. Duffer here. With me again is Jay Score. How are you? I'm doing well, Duff. Good to see you again. You too, bud. And in Indiana, OTP Lefty. No worse for the wear, Duff. Let's get it. So they say that we're live bots. They say that we're not actually objective and impartial. They say all we care about is the Saudi royal family, but that's not true at all. We all watched PGA Tour golf this week, and we're going to talk about it. The PGA Tour, fresh off its court victory over its hated rivals, Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford, and Matt Jones, was in Memphis, Tennessee this week for the FedEx St. Jude Championship. Have you guys been to Memphis, either one of you? Absolutely. I have not. So tell me about it, OTP. What's what's Memphis like? I'm told it's a rock and roll place and the atmosphere is electric, but I didn't see an electric atmosphere during the uh, broadcast. But how, how is Memphis the city? Okay. Uh, downtown, wonderful, great sports town. Uh, I've been there to watch basketball multiple times. I've done Beale Street, BB Kings, all of that. So Beale um, Street, you got to tell J-Score what Beale Street's all about. That's kind of the tourist spot. That's where you're going to go. That's where you can have open containers on the street and act a fool, right? Yes. And it's close, like close by the FedEx forum. It's easy to get around. One of the most welcoming places you could ever go. One of my best pals, uh, shout out Chad, got married there in 2010 and uh, in Germantown. And we went all through the suburbs and did stuff, ate some great barbecue. And I believe what's called commissary. Yeah, just a great place. Um, this course is well loved. You know, um, even when it was the week before or the week after something, they always got a great field. And then through the partnership with FedEx, and FedEx is a big player in in Memphis, they were able to snag this first playoff event. Not a bad transition. Yeah, so and- I'm I'm actually in Boston this weekend. I thought I was coming to the first playoff event. I thought I thought this was the Northern Trust Open week, and so I came here trying to get a look at Will Zalatoris, and just I totally failed. So uh, instead, I went over to the Cape. I did get a chance to play a course called Eastward Ho that was pretty fun. Oh, so I made the best of it, but really disappointed for the folks in Boston for for them not to yeah. have this playoff event here. That's yeah. a shame, really. So anyway, they were in Memphis, and in Memphis. Our friend, our pal, our hero, Willie Zalatoris, all 140 pounds of him, wins his first PGA Tour event. He's a clutch putter now. On the third playoff hole. Par 3, 11th hole, after both he and the Austrian house, Sepp Straka, had to take a drop. Straka hit his ball into the hazard after Zalatoris had already put himself in the position of death. He lodged his ball between the water hazard retaining wall and the greenside rough. But Zaltoris wins. He shot a 71 on Thursday and was nine strokes behind the leaders outside the cut line. Then he went 63, 65, 66 on Friday through Sunday. Jeez. Putted his brains out on Friday, 3.7 strokes gained putting in round two, but only a half a stroke on average for the week. So that got him in it. And then on the weekend, he did what Will Zalatoris does. He striped the hell out of his irons, unsurprisingly led the field in strokes gained, tee to green for the week. 
He averaged 2.4 strokes over the field per round, and uh, Willie Z breaks through. Quite a quite a putter now. I mean, he caught, he put on a show there. It was crazy to see. Um, I, I watched round three, and then I caught uh, the last four-ish three holes today in the playoff, and it was uh, cool to see him making some of those putts, especially not only is in the he quite a, Yeah, not only is he quite a putter, I mean, he hit a longish one on 18 during regulation, that I think he thought was going to win the tournament for him. It did end up just getting him into a playoff with Straka, but he he pulled out some big Pete Weber energy there. He was like, uh, you know, the who do you think you are, I am kind of thing. Yeah. It seems a little bit different coming from 24-year-old, 140-pound Will Zalatoris than it did from 48-year-old bowler Pete Weber, but you got you to gotta admire it. Well, to be, to be yeah. fair, when he was standing on the green in that final putt side-doored in, it was just the body language said a lot about still where he's at. The, the kid does something to get into a playoff for one point, however many million dollars, 12,000 people watching him do it, that I can't do one out of 100 times. You give me a trash can full from where he was on that third, and I won't get that up and down. I love it. I love when he got beat I've got, at the I've PGA. Got to I've got to interrupt for a second before the PGA Tour bots come after us. Zalatoris actually won $2.7 million dollars. For this, very nice. for this victory. Very nice. I, if you could possibly completely empty your bowels more, I, I guess I would have. But, but anyway, more importantly, wasn't it like, was it quadruple points for the the uh, the legendary FedEx Cup, I believe? Oh, I don't know. So many, I, fed, so many points. Can I get this out? This guy's the power of positivity. He's fearless. Whatever the Jeff Slumans of the world had to go through, the Davis Loves of the Davis Love the Thirds of the world had to go through with Rotella to try to figure out how to win a tournament. When he could, when he supposedly couldn't get it done, he loses a major in a playoff again. He says, "I know I got what it takes. I know I'm going to get it done." He was 100 percent sure. I love it, and it's wild. He's not doing the figure eight thing that he had going on with the putter on the short putts, but he still does some kind of weird pause in the back. But he's found a way to just get it square and put it through, and he's making putts. Duff, I wa- I saw I was watching with a non golfer who said, uh, when that, he, <laughs> "They immediately knew, like you know, they the it's not that's not what's supposed to happen." He just fired. He had those three rounds, uh, cra- three very good rounds in a row, solid putting. A- after firing his his longtime caddy and good friend uh, Ryan Gobble, <laughs> like. I, did I, I jokingly was like, oh, firing the caddy, that'll that'll fix your putting. But apparently maybe it has helped. Yeah. And we won't go into the fact that if that were a lot of people, pretty much if that were any player who happens to currently play on the live tour who fired his caddy mid tournament, uh, we wouldn't have heard the end of it. But I guess Willie Z, now a member of the player advisory council, almost a full year veteran of the PGA Tour gets a free pass. Yeah, How do you get on the players advisory council if you're not really like a full-fledged member like how many years you got to get under your belt well it's a good question so a lot of people have asked that question like and assume that there's something nefarious going on but they actually set it up so that it includes somebody who's fresh off the corn ferry tour so there are like several categories who go in you get you know a player who's in the top 25 of last year's fedex rankings somebody who's 26 through 75 somebody who's lower, and then you get somebody who's brand new off the Corn Ferry Tour. So that's why Zalatoris, who had basically a year of experience already, was the easy choice for the new KFT guys. Oh, sweet. So there's always a, there's always a constituency there that's like, oh, we not only get the prepackaged 
silverware, but there's also like separate napkins that are free. <laughs> Dope. That's good. We'll, we'll make sure we keep the we'll make sure that nobody's actually driving for any real change or innovation or anything. People are just like happy to get in the door. It's like yeah. we actually get yeah. to you know, we're actually staying at the Omni this week. And he's gung ho. Okay. He's yeah, he's the freshman in college. He he went to the he went to the bookstore. He bought the sweatshirt, the t shirt, the hat. He's uh amazing <laughs> blue all the way. So good for you, it. Willie. I love it. What could what could go wrong? You're a full member now. But we should talk about the playoff. Things got a little weird in the playoff. After pretty routine pars on 18 on the first playoff hole, they went back to the 18th tee, and Zalatoris blocked his tee shot right, hit the cart path, and got, I think, a really lucky bounce off a tree limb to spare it from going out of bounds. But he had to punch out to the fairway. And then Straka, just inexplicably, after seeing Zalatoris' shot, Nearly hits it into the water down yeah. the left side. Just almost and, and chokes so, it right back, right back, just immediately. And, and then the big mystery. Okay, so he got a break. It didn't go in the water. It stayed hung up in the rough on the bank. He had a bad stance. He was going to have to go in the water. And he already had at least one shoe and one sock off. He was prepared to go in the water and hit his approach shot. And then suddenly he just decided that he was going to take a drop. Did you guys? Was yeah. I the only one who thought that was that was very no. strange? Was why wouldn't you just go, why yeah. wouldn't you just go at it there and just make make the shot? I mean, what was the water too deep? Was it was it too slippery yeah. or something? I, I don't know. That's cards. The only See, that's thing, cards. The only that's cards. Thing he's think. got to he's got to get that ball past Zalatoris. He's got to show last. He's got to hit last. He's got to apply pressure. That's a caddy choke right there. Is what that yeah, is for sure. Well, because yeah. So- but He's got 140. Thing. That I mean he can a pitching wedge at the right bunker. It's going to draw. It's going to move it left. You get in there with that weird angle, the ball above your feet. Okay. He's played golf before. Mm-hmm. Do it. Get it in front of the green. Apply pressure. I think that's the thing, though. I think he realized that he could not actually go for the green. He wasn't going to risk going over the water and trying to put it on the green. So at that point, he decided should I try to advance it up the right side? and go in the water with my bare feet or should I just take a drop and stick it close? And to be fair, he stuck it to about six feet. So it ended up kind of not making a difference. They both made par. Uh, but at the time it just seemed like a wild decision, but I, I guess that's why they're out there and we're here. I mean, recording play, playoffs are, playoffs are different and stuff, but I really think that order of play thing matters a lot. And you want to, you want to, you want to be able to play last. And especially if you're Sepp Straka, like Straka, you want to you want to be getting the short stick in your hand as quick as possible. You want to be putting. That's the only good part of your entire game is your putting. Everything else is so slot, like hit or miss, like it's shaky. So why not like just get the ball as close as you can, get putting as quick as you can. And then, yeah, exactly right, OTP, like playing last, hitting last, like letting your opponent hit before you have to is a huge thing. The difference between being 100 away, which he probably could have managed if he'd have picked, I mean, if he's not going to try to knock it on the green, okay, it's not a good enough lie. There's too much curve there, okay. You can hit 50 yards. The lie itself wasn't that bad. The ball not sitting that bad. You can hit 50 yards. Just advance it. As people are so much, pros are so much better from 100 than they are from 150, like in terms of just like feet. And then the putting implications and all that, I I turned to the guy and said, "That's a caddy choke, in my opinion. Hate it or don't hate it." And then how about the par three? Like, and then the par three comes. Well, let's. Well, first we should talk about Will's shot because so in any event he decided to take the drop. Straka he put it to within six feet, but Zalatoris, after putting it nearly out of bounds, had no 
backswing for his second shot. So he had to punch out to the fairway, and he was about as far as Straka. He only, and, and Zaltoris may be the best ball striker on tour right now, he was only able to get his third shot to about 20 feet on the same line that Straka had, and he absolutely drained that putt. That was the putt that won him the tournament right there. So you've got to give it to Zalatoris for being able to punch out and still get up and down and make par there. That that won him the $2.7 million. Yeah. Yep. Love it. I mean, handling your business, he's no question he's better from a mid-range. I can, re- I can totally relate. Uh, and and he, got, he got it done. He played down there. They were talking about hitting it 60 yards, hitting it 70 yards to get to a number he liked. And then during the playoff, later we'll get to it in a second, but they kind of matched yardages and the caddy said to him on the microphone, same number as the last hole. Yeah. So, yeah. So now, J-Score, we can talk about the third playoff hole. That was number 11, uh, part three. I think it's like 180 yards. Yeah, it was It was like deja vu again with Zalatoris somehow hanging on by the skin of his teeth to a weird ball, which, by the way, eventually I want to ask you guys if he should have tried to spine that thing and get it in play or... I mean, in hindsight, obviously, like the drop worked out, but and then um, and then Straka too. After seeing Zalatoris in a tough spot, like has he's in the driver's seat now, right? You've got it's time it's time to press and doesn't do it, doesn't doesn't deliver, rinses one, and uh, then we've got some some decision making there for for Zalatoris. Yeah, so so, so Zalatoris got a miracle. My, and let's be honest, that's probably the worst iron shot Zalatoris has hit all week. Just leaps it, it out to the right gets a double bounce off the stone retaining wall and it manages somehow to defy physics and stay in between the the bridge of the grass and the wall. And then Straka, all he's got to do is put it in the center of the green. I mean, he had a huge target. Absolutely inexcusable. Azinger must have been peeing himself up there just thinking about the pressure and how hard it is to win on the PGA (laughs) Tour. Oh, it's excruciating. <laughs> Not to mention the tournament so, within the tournament that's going on right now. Yep. So I, I can't believe he didn't get somebody in about, you know, biting their own tongue because they love the taste of blood or something. So Zalatoris, yeah. So was thinking about hitting his ball that was stuck up there on the edge of the green. I think it would have been a terrible decision for him to try and hit that ball there. I think he absolutely did the right thing. I think it took him way too long to decide to do the right thing. He's the best iron player on tour. You want to get in positions where, I mean, Straka was already in the bunker. All he had to do was hit a 95-yard shot and get up and down. That's his moneymaker. Like, there, there's no question that's what he's going to do. Do you think he specifically Some, left it a little bit long so that he'd have a better chance of making it? Like, he didn't want to stuff it to three feet just in case he had to hit a three-footer? I love yeah. that move. I love it. <laughs> I, mean, I avoid brain, I avoid 20 to 80 yards on purpose all the time. Yeah. it's a, Totally it's get a, it. Yeah. I mean, I'm still I'm still nervous about Zalatoris with the putter, but... Um, you know, Listen, he, was, he did really well this week, so it's it's it was fun to see. It was a great finish, except for the actual final hole. It was to win a playoff, a sloppy playoff. playoff with a bogey is is pretty gross. Nonetheless, Zalatoris gets his first W. As I said, he gets two point seven million dollars for the win. Straka made one point six million for the solo second. Not quite live money, but not a kick in the teeth either. No, not bad. Zalatoris moves to number one in the FedEx Cup standings, the all-important FedEx Cup standings ahead of next week at the BMW in Delaware. And Straka moves all the way up to eighth from 35. Scheffler, Cam Smith, Sam Burns, and Tony Finau round up the top five. 
we mentioned Cam Smith in third in the FedEx Cup standings. I suppose it's time to talk about Cam. We mentioned on the last episode he's rumored to have signed a deal already with Liv, and he went out of his way this week to neither confirm nor deny that rumor. He finished in a seven-way tie for 13th at nine under, along with JT, Sahif Tagala, and Joohyung Tom Kim and others. And we apologize, by the way, to Tom Kim for not really knowing who he was last week. He's really making his presence felt. Uh, Tom moves up to 25th in the FedEx Cup standings. So congratulations to Tom Kim and our apologies to Tom and his family for the disrespect shown to him on this podcast. But let's talk about Cam Smith. It's what happened before the round started that was the real story of today. JT, J-Score, you want to pick this up? For yeah, the I got to I gotta jump in here. Um, but first, I want to take you back to... Uh, even heading into the weekend, like he he started he started off slow yesterday, uh, missed a couple putts, rinsed one on four, makes a bogey, just a sluggish start, but comes out t three t three hitting into today before before the phone call is made, and I mean I got to be honest with you, uh, robbed robbed of it potentially here. I mean not to diminish what Zalatoris did, but uh, perhaps Cam would have would have uh, would have been there because yeah, so everybody knows JJ Spawn certainly so, puked all over himself and did not show up today. Cam, so Cam, yes, uh, he. Yeah, so so what happened before the round, but not much before the round? It was players had already teed off, but the leaders had not, and Cam Smith obviously had not. He was notified while he was on the practice screen, from what I understand, that he was being assessed a two-stroke penalty for what the competition committee had decided was a bad drop on the fourth hole of the third round after he had hit his tee shot into the water. So instead of starting the day two strokes out of the lead, he was now four strokes out of the lead. The PGA went on the broadcast on NBC and said they had looked at the drop yesterday and decided there wasn't enough evidence to do anything about it. But then an unnamed member of the competition committee contacted them this morning and they decided to take another look at it. We don't know who this member of the committee was. We don't know whether his name may be Jay or whether he has anything to do with the litigation happening with Liv. But it was clear that the ball was resting on the red line when Camp Pretty took his drop yesterday. Pretty obvious. Super obvious. And, yeah. And that's in the hazard. And that means that he didn't take full relief as he was required to under the rules of golf. So it was clear that he had taken a bad drop. A two-stroke penalty was appropriate. It's the timing that caused Twitter and my man J-Score to just lose their minds. Unbelievable. Right? They actually absolutely targeted him. Um, I Like breaking down the footage when uh, Gary Young was on TV breaking the news and like his act about how heartbroken he looked when he was telling the news, re- retelling the story was something else to to see. Gary speaking on behalf of a group of we unsure who these we could be. Um, a, a committee member apparently taking in the broadcast at some point decided to finally call in uh, this this infraction. And, you know, Cam, to his credit, you know, he made birdie I, I, would, on the first hole. Would, would, would the extra two inches have made it? Would That's why he hit it to 18 inches, I think, because, by the way, he chipped it in tight uh, from that drop. And I guess if he were maybe two inches closer and not touching the line, you know, he might not have hit it to 18 inches and, and made the putt, but 
Um, uh, listen, the, the question of whether he gained an advantage is irrelevant. I mean, it was it doesn't no. matter. The rule is the rule. I think the only thing that people can be upset about and should rightly be upset about is the timing of the penalty. And at what point is it too late? The fourth round had begun. Players were out there on the course. Scorecards are signed. You can't be making a decision about something that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that Cards was Cards are signed. Things have I... moved on. Yep, yeah. exactly. And... Strong, I've strongly felt forever that if you're playing with someone and you don't understand how the rules work to help them through it, or in a case where a guy calls over a rules official and the rules official doesn't do anything, like both of those contributing factors – Nobody got like, it. Yeah, there's a couple things there. Um, something I've long thought, and this is just kind of a throwaway thought I've had, but I want to just say it to everyone who could ever listen to my voice ever, no risk, is that um, instead of these 11 different remedies for hitting the ball in the water, there's a drop zone, every hole, every place forever on the PGA Tour. So they just need to do this one thing. We can all follow some rules. We can get the book out. We can do it. You know, times when people hit the ball in the water on purpose or they hit in the stands on purpose, we got to get these drop zones figured out where they know automatically. You knock in the water, you drop it here. The committee just knows based on what kind of tournament they want to have, whether that's a tough number, whether it's an interesting shot. They have to keep hitting it over the water. They have to walk the plank out to some weird island tee box, whatever. But just like simplify it. I hit in the water. I go here automatically. That's it. Let's go. Yeah. Listen, we we put we've put men on the moon allegedly. So I think the PGA Tour can figure out how to deal with drops. All all I think that they really need to worry about is stop making ruling changes after play has completed for the day. Yes. He signed his card. You said it was okay. Play began on Sunday. We're moving on. Yeah, we're moving on. So yeah. So. I'm lo- uh, Way more comfortable with a with with someone associated with the tour that might ruffle your feathers as part of some vast conspiracy or whatever than some dweeb calling in on the phone. Like yeah. taking advantage of the taking advantage of the high speed cameras, maybe and the Big HD TV and all the stuff under no stress, um, as opposed to a player who's present, who's under pressure, who's in a hurry, he's got all these factors. That's baloney. I, I was um I was thrilled to hear Gary Young describe Cam Smith as a complete gentleman, calm throughout the entire proceeding. <laughs> of course, you would um, expect nothing less. Cam, Cam, I was completely, completely unsurprised when Cam finished the very pleasant exchange by simply saying "rules are rules" and went back out and got to work. But anyway, as I said, Cam did. It looked like he was going to make a move. He went out and birdied his first hole, and it looked like he was going to try and make the PGA Tour pay for this horrible treatment. But it wasn't to be. Seven-way tie for 13th. He did what he could. He's going to be back. He, like I said, he's number number three in the standings. He'll be back next week in Delaware at the BMW. And I still like Cam to win this whole thing. All right, moving Who's on. Who's next? Uh, let's, there was a Euro Tour event. There was a mixed event in Northern Ireland, an official LPGA and LET co-sanctioned event, along with a DP World Tour event. So they had two courses. Uh, the first two days they played on two courses. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't play against each other like the one that Lynn Grant won a couple of months ago. So there was a separate men's and women's winner. But they played on two courses Thursday and Friday, and then alternated on the weekend. Maya Stark laid waste to the field today on the women's side. She shot a ridiculous 63 to beat Allison Corpus by five. And she gets an LPGA card now since this was, as I said, a co-sanctioned event. So congratulations to Maya. Uh, on, the men's si- on the men's side, 
Ewan Ferguson of Scotland won his second DP World Tour event of the season. But this was not a co-sanctioned event with the, P the PGA Tour. And because the PGA exercised its monopoly and cartel power to change the official world golf ranking formula, Ewan received only about eight world rankings points for the win, which is about 16 points less than he would have gotten if this tournament had taken place last week. And it was about six points less than the winner of this week's Corn Ferry Tour event. So the quote-unquote strategic alliance just cost a European tour player or a DP World Tour player, wouldn't want to slight the UAE there, about 30 world ranking spots. And even after this, his second win of the season, Ewan Ferguson will only move up to about 164th in the world. So congrats, Ewan. And congrats, Keith Pelly, president of the DP World Tour, for putting the interests of your golfers at the forefront once again. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, the more and more you unpack what's going on with the OWGR and it's I've I've spent so much time scouring that website for details on, frankly, anything that doesn't just loop you back to the start in a circular, confusing, nonspecific manner. And, you know, it's just a group of dudes figuring it like making it up as they go and keeping people and tournaments in and certain it's ones in, out. It's and it's all driven by different for anybody. To, it's insane for anybody to think that the people that were involved in this decision to revamp the OWGR would have possibly voluntarily done it to their own tours, all of which outside the PGA Tour are taking a massive hit if the markets were fair, if everybody was playing on a level playing field. There's no excuse for it. Why on earth would the DP World Tour vote for such a change? It doesn't make any sense. It's going to continue to decimate its tour and it's it's an absolute joke, and I feel bad for the players, including you and Ferguson. So I, I have a quick question. Since you've been scouring the website, J Score, I am Scotty Scheffler. I am a world beater right now. I'm in Fuego. I break my leg riding a motorcycle to celebrate breaking thirteen million dollars in earnings this year. Is there any kind of facility to pause where I am or give me an average for tournaments I would have played, or do I just drop off the face of the earth? No. You drop off the face of the earth. That, yeah. That's why Tiger, remember Tiger Woods went to 1500th in the world or something because he was hurt. I mean, you, you got to play tournaments or your rating falls. Yeah, to there's, no, very quick. there's no very major quickly. medical it, exemption for the OWGR, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, don't be shy, Duff. Jump in anytime you're needed. Anyway, <laughs> Jesse, anyway, tell me how you feel about this then. Since he's answered the factual part of the question, how do you feel about that? What, would you, what adjustments would you make? Just well, quickly. I mean, so honestly, the dropping off the face of the planet when when you don't play i mean it's it decays rapidly right exponential decline very quickly you fall off and to me that's fine that that's a good thing that works like to me owgr should be a snapshot of who is hot at that time but it's it's very obvious when you start to look at uh, world ranking allocations and this the circular nature of its existence and how their algorithm works which by the way if you can find how the algorithm actually works let me know, but it's very uh, circular. So, yeah, they they publish a PDF okay. table that gives you the uh, breakdown, but it's it's tough. Okay, and, okay, okay. You understand Illuminati how that works? You're familiar with Cosa Nostra, of mafia, course, of course. Stuff in the movies. Now, I don't know really anything it, about we're it. We're in the golf world right now. But in the movies, you know, there's the concept of the made guy, right? In the mafia, at what point? Like, there's a lot of this was made that like Tiger was number 787 in the world when he won the Masters. He's Tiger Woods, like he's platinum level. 
if he says he can play, he can play, you know, like, should there be some kind of something? Can we put these cookies in the special Tupperware? Yes. That's why he has a lifetime exemption into the masters. That's what those lifetime exemptions are for. That's it. Just just, like that. Yeah. I think leave it up to the tournament itself to run its, you know, run what it wants to do, you know? Fine. Good enough for you guys. Good enough for me, babe. Never ask it again. But the, 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 which tournaments count and which don't is a very interesting thing to, to try to unpack. And I mean, if you'd like, if you'd like another exercise in futility, please check out the world amateur golf rankings and tell me if you can find on their website, how that works. Other than that, it involves elite players at tournaments. Um, hard to figure well, out. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna get a lot of heat on Twitter because of this, because I, I want to be clear. What the OWGR has done with this revamping is actually generally a more objectively good thing using strokes gained and, and using the data across all of these tournaments and across the world is good. My question is not whether it's objectively a better system, it's why would these organizations that are supposedly independent vote to adopt this system that had previously been benefiting themselves? And that's just it. They they know what they've ran the models. They've ran the forecast. They they know what it's going to do. And they they know that the optics are there for them to weave this uh, narrative, but the actual results are not going to hurt them. In fact, it's only going to help the PGA Tour. It's only going to help the PGA Tour. So speaking of the PGA Tour and one of its minor league systems, the Corn Ferry Tour. And this week was the last regular season event of the year. And the top 25 players on the season-long points list earned their PGA Tour card. Those 25 did not include Akshay Batia, 20-year-old wonder kid who's appeared three times on the popular podcast No Laying Up, or Norman Zhang, or Pearson Cootie. But it does include this week's winner, Robbie Shelton, who shot 65 today to win by one over Ben Taylor, who also got his card. Vincent Norman, Kevin Roy, and Anders Albertson grabbed the last three cards. And as we mentioned, Akshay is 20 years old. Tom Kim, who is now in the top 25 of the FedEx Cup PGA Tour standings, is four months younger than Akshay Batia, who we saw every single shot of on the coverage that I watched today on the Golf Channel. So sorry, Akshay, you've got uh, three more weeks to try and get that card. And please, all of your friends at Callaway and uh, their partners. Does anybody know, does Akshay Akshay make bonus money for being in every Corn Ferry Tour commercial? I mean, apparently Akshay moves the needle. You know, he has over 11,000 Instagram followers. 11,000? I think it's 111. 111. Uh, Is it? Yeah, I feel like it's 111. Also, hey, love the kids' flow. Oh yeah, his my sti- fa- style's off my, the charts. Big, what, big fan. One of my fa- one of my favorite country music lines of all time. He's so thin you could use him for a whip. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. Absolutely. All right. Congratulations uh, on uh, your thirtieth thirtieth place finish in the KFT regular season, Akshay. Uh, should we do haters and losers before we get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'll come as no surprise. My hater and loser of the week is obviously the anonymous committee member calling in. Um, I'm not saying it's Jay Monahan, but I'm not. It could be. It could be anybody, truly. It could be. <laughs> Nobody knows. Can't prove, it can't it could be my it. own mother can't for all I know way. calling in. I don't know. But again, <laughs> scorecards are signed. Deal is done. Balls are in the air the next day. Come on. This is clearly a, sh- a shot at uh, Cam Smith, who, in my opinion, uh, needs to make a big splash over in a uh, live tour. And, and uh, I, I think there is going to be more to come with punch GC and all, all those guys, but 
absolutely the uh, committee member watching the broadcast at home f- deciding to phone in this rules infraction on Cam Smith of all people. I definitely my hater and loser of the week. OTP, do you have a hater and loser? Uh, I want to go with him. I, I agree whoever, with that. Whoever he may be. No, yeah, whoever that mysterious person is, <laughs> it's kind of tough that 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 that's the person. Like if if you're trying to if you're trying to sway that person's opinion of how you're going to be treated, wouldn't you get the highest esteem? Wouldn't you go the other way? Like the strategic thinking that kind of smacks his pettiness and sour grapes and stuff like that. And we're trying to build a better world. You've got an idea. I've got an idea. Let's let's compete Rick in a friendly way. Brick. Yeah, absolutely. Disappointing. Sad stuff. Duffer, do you got well, a hater and loser of the week? Yeah. I mean, I've, I think I know who mine is going to be, but I also have another nominee that I'd like to throw out there for you guys and see see if you think maybe you could adopt him. Maybe OTP, you can adopt him as officially your own. This might be controversial. Paul Azinger, former Ryder Cup captain. He uh, created the pod system, just beloved announcer on NBC and the Golf Channel. Azinger, as he's wont to do, gave us a wonderful line at the finish of today's playoff. Incredible effort all around. Yeah, Zalatoris wins, and Azinger says, and I quote, there's no amount of guaranteed money that can buy what he's feeling right now. And then uh, fellow haters and losers, including Brandel Shambly and Dylan Deethier, immediately lauded this Zinger Boomer Zinger on Twitter. So I, I'm just wondering, do you think Zinger may may qualify for a hater and loser of the week? I don't know. I, I think he just wants everybody so nervous they can't spit, you know, his famous line. Uh, that's right. where he wants everybody in, in excruciating agony of playing for other people's money. Yeah. It sounds like sounds like Zinger may avoid OTP's wrath this week, so he's off the hook. But I, I think that's a good nominee. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I will say, Duff. I think that's a great nominee, and if I were in OTP's position, I would absolutely be uh, <laughs> tossing him <laughs> up. All right. Well, so now we'll get to mine. You know, I've had an active week and weekend on Twitter. My hater and loser of the week is going to be Jeff Shackelford. I don't know if all of you folks know Jeff Shackelford. For those of you who have heard of him, you probably heard of him because of a few years ago when he called the guys on the Barstool Foreplay podcast fanboys because I guess they like Tiger Woods too much. Uh, Jeff and fellow old fart Bob Herrig tried to scold the Barstool guys for some sort of unwritten journalistic code or something, but then everyone on Twitter laughed at Jeff. So he went on the Foreplay pod and he kissed Riggs and Trent and Frankie the Pizza Guy's ass. And so uh, Jeff kowtowed to the foreplay guys. Jeff himself actually briefly co-hosted a podcast with Bill Simmons' friend, Joe House. But that podcast did very, very poorly. That was likely because nobody likes Jeff and he's an insufferable bore. So apparently... Apparently, Bill Simmons fired him, and I guess he ghosted him. He never even told him he was fired. He just didn't get the Ouch. calls for the podcast anymore. So, you know. Anyway, Jeff fancies himself some kind of intellect, apparently, because Jeff publishes an email newsletter. He decided to start coming after me on Twitter about what happened in court this week, a court in which I'm licensed to and have actually appeared as lead counsel. Standard stuff. You know, I'm a live bot. I'm shilling for the Saudi royal family, et cetera, et cetera. So I invited Jeff to come on the podcast and I told him I'd be happy to debate him on a topic of his choosing. 
including the perils of competition in golf or human rights abuses or antitrust law, really his choice. At which point Jeff told me that I was delusional to think that he, big star of newsletter and blog, <laughs> would come on our lowly podcast. Then I laughed at myself for being big timed by Jeff Shackleford of all people. <laughs> and then he blocked me. So oh, Jeff of Shackleford, course. yes, Jeff Shackleford, old golf media blowhard. You win the Duffer, Hater, and Loser of the Week award. Congratulations. You're in esteemed company. <laughs> That's great. Can, can we can we talk about handicapping just for a second before we go? Sure. I mean, we always got a chance to work just it in. And bookies.com, a website with which I'm not familiar, and this is not an advertisement, is re uh, reported through Golf Week. Riley Hamill, congratulations on finding these guys. There is a list of the folks most likely to come to live next, and there's action. Let's go. Who do we got? Who do we Who's got? the favorite? Cameron Hideki. Smith. Cam Smith. And Cameron Smith, a mortal lock at minus 1,000. Sure. Um, the guaranteed money. Yes. Super, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Who do you think? Let's. Uh, let me just run through the list just quickly. Like at plus four fifty, Hovland, Berger, Finau. Any of those four and a half to one? Hovland, I feel like would make sense just with what what is happening with European tour events and yeah, some are puzzling. Like I like um, Finau. I think Finau's taking that money. Is that a lot of kids to feed? A lot of lot of. I meant I mentioned that I mentioned that on one episode before that Finau I, I think would be a good fit for sure. Um, and yeah. would be a likely candidate to move. I like that bet. Uh, okay, in the sixes. I mean, Zalatoris Morikawa in? No, I don't think so. Don't love don't... any of them. Uh, what's really funny, at 9-1, to one, even even odds compared to one another, Horschel and Homa, 9-1. to one. Horschel? Horschel? Horschel's clearly not coming. He clearly didn't get an offer. So I, I posted about this on Twitter a little bit, too. It was only two He's months ago. He's sour grapes right now. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Horschel, yeah, he's Horschel sour was grapes. publicly saying that everybody should have a right to play wherever they want as long as they play 15 events on the PGA Tour. And suddenly now he's angry at everybody yeah. who's on live. So I the just, only thing that I could think of is he didn't get an offer. I just feel like that's that's like worth 20 just in case you cash it, just so you could take a picture of it and tweet <laughs> it at him and say thanks for the cash. Like I mean, I have a couple of pals that are diehard Cardinals fans, not including you, Whatever, second, I could, my whatever second. I would call you if this weren't a family show, and the, I bet against the Cardinals every time <laughs> because I, anybody but St. Louis. Um, longest shot on the board, Rory for thirty to one. There'd be another one. Just be sweet as sugar, and you know, it's, yes. it's half the price of a value meal. Five bucks, like ugh. yeah. But JT, are these odds for the very next person to be announced, or oh, you know what? I'll, I'll look. I'll look. I'll look. I'll, I'll look about that because it's yes, just, I eventually I think. Some of those. No, nope, this is just this is just overall. I think these tickets would sit for a while. Um, really? And obviously, the, the obviously the, these are current prices. I skipped a couple on the board that are more sure, like Cameron Young's even money though. Uh, Hideki even money. Cantlay's. I think Hideki's going to go fifty. Shoffley plus four hundred. I what people keep mentioning Shoffley. What about the way he plays makes him inclined for this? He seemed he's always seemed like a trophy player to me. I, I think like, if the, you know, assuming, so Jay's like talked back the lifetime ban thing, right? Like that seems to be a, a, a sticking point is this lifetime ban. And I do wonder if, if clarity around that shows up, Xander would be, I think, more likely to go sure. depending on what the I mean, suspension I've, period is, I guess. Yeah. I Well, it's not a suspension. You, you, if you resign sure. from the tour, 
according to what they say. Call it what you will, Duff. Well, you're fine. You've got to sit out a year. That's that's part of the rules. Uh, so a year. Yeah, I know we're going to keep our eye on this uh, Ms. Stark. Uh, seven seven pro wins in uh, various various tours and formats in one year. So she's going to stay on the radar. Yeah, and I think Fer- Ferguson, despite being ranked number one million in the world after winning twice on the. I have um, to imagine the the light like if if I you know again one thing I would like to see potentially come about is like at, at this point there's got to be a deep enough field on the women's side for an equivalent ladies situation to show up with with live that would be interesting yeah think think it's a phenomenal idea would love to see the would love to see the mixed competition right out of the gate so Alrighty, I do I do have at- Duff I, I if if you'd entertain me I do have one other thing it's real you know today's episode I you know I'm not going to deep dive into it but I think you know it, it wouldn't be an episode if I didn't um oh a taste talk a about taste, the uh, primer the golf Illuminati situation that becomes right. very obvious here I haven't I don't think I've actually said golf Illuminati yet so wouldn't be an episode if I didn't make mention of it but I think um you know it's hard for me to not pick them as hater of the Lo- hater and loser nomination every single week so I'm going to try to find their minions and uh the tentacles that are ever so pervasive in the golf ecosystem. And I, I just, I, I felt like I to. needed to mention that before we close. Okay. The show. Jay score. We appreciate the hunt that. is on. <laughs> the game is afoot. It's, it's, I didn't, it, I, didn't, I thought that was going somewhere, but it was just, you just wanted to shout out the golf Illuminati. I, I, dun, dun, dun. You know, I, I think it's becoming, I think it's becoming more obvious. I think if you're a listener to the show, I, I think, um, hey, listen, I hope, I hope, thinking. I hope our listeners go check out the WAGR and the OWGR and, just start start taking a look. You know, that's all. all right. Start, you know. <laughs> all right. We're gonna listen, we we were gonna we're gonna try and keep this one under forty five minutes. So if you guys unless you have any more. That's shout it. Outs. No, that's it. I'll I'll stop myself there. <laughs> we we could be here all night otherwise. So I'll shout uh, out that shout out Davenport, Iowa. You guys rock. All right. We'll see you next week. Go Later. Pooge.